Alan's like just looking at me. I know, but he's staring at me. Or maybe he's looking at the screen. Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> can I? Am I? Can I be heard? Really? That sounds low to me. Yeah, guys. Uh, in house. There we go. Yeah, yeah. That sounds better. Try it again. Good morning. Happy Resurrection Sunday. I've always had a hard time. There's eight syllables in saying Happy Resurrection Sunday. It's like the longest greeting that anybody's ever done. <clears throat> and I know where we try to avoid the word Easter. It has pagan origins, I understand. So anyway, um, uh, what a great day. What a great thing, event to celebrate, knowing that we have life, that our Lord is alive, that the cross was successfully finished. And therefore, as we'll see this morning, Christ uh, Jesus, our Lord, has blazed a trail. He's a pioneer, uh, being the first to walk out of a grave forever. Uh, all those who were resuscitated or resurrected by Christ all died again. But uh, Christ is the first to leave the grave and never go back. And uh, so, and therefore, what he does there is blaze a trail that we follow. And we're never going back either. And uh, so this is a great, this is a great day. Uh, so the program this morning is going to be a bit different than we normally do. First, we're going to start with a video. Somebody sent me this video a couple days ago, and I just loved it, and I just want to share it with you. It's about resurrection. <laughs> you know, uh, duh. Uh, so anyway, and uh, <laughs> it's only about three minutes long, and it's uh, so we'll enjoy that. When we do, after we do that, Kathy is going to play Via Della Rosa for us, a great hymn. Uh, we're, we don't, we're not going to sing that. We're just going to read the words and enjoy the piano. And uh, it's, it tells the story of our Lord. And so we'll enjoy that. Stay seated for that. And then we're going to have two songs after that that we're going to sing. Uh, the first one's new. Well, we haven't sung it before. Uh, I heard it. I went looking for songs. And I heard this song and I just loved it. And so, uh, yeah. And then the second one's old. So something new and something old. So if you're young, right, we've got the youngins up in this part and that one, and they're going like that, and then all the, for you, all you old fogies, which they're, you guys are really representing this morning, um, then you'll enjoy the, the old hymn too, all right? So uh, let's, let's open up in prayer, and then we'll get right into it. Father, thank you for your word. Well... For today, Father, thank you for the resurrection of our Lord, for by Him and Him alone are we saved and know that we have eternal life. As He left the grave, so have we in Him. All who have believed upon Him are in Him, resurrected with Him, and we have died with Him. We are never to die again. And even our physical death, Father, is a victory thanks to you, and thanks to our Lord, we long to see him, scars and all, in heaven. That day will come. 
But until that day, Father, guide and direct us in the path that we follow, that is the path of resurrection, life in heaven, our citizenship in heaven. Let us follow that path, Father, with all of our heart. Show us the way through the Spirit within. Guide us, Father, in our worship together with you and uh, with one another in celebrating the resurrection of our Lord. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. It's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter is asleep. Judas is betrayed. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Pilate's struggling. The council is conspiring. The crowd is vilified. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary's crying. Peter is denying. But they don't know that Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robe him in scars. They crown him with thorns. But they don't know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. See Jesus walking to Calvary. His blood dripping. His body stumbling. And his spirit's burdened. But you see, it's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The world's winning. People are sinning, and evil's grinning. It's right. The soldiers nailed my Savior's hands to the cross. They nailed my Savior's feet to the cross. And then they raised him up next to criminals. It's right. But let me tell you something. Sunday's coming. It's right. The disciples are questioning what has happened to their king. And the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved. But they don't know. It's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. He's hanging on the cross. Healing forsaken by his father. Left alone and dying. Can nobody save him? Oh, it's Friday. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The earth trembles. The sky grows dark. My king yields his spirit. It's Friday. Hope is lost. Death has won. Sin has conquered, and Satan's just a laugh. It's Friday. Jesus is buried. A soldier stands guard, and a rock is rolled into place. But it's Friday. It is only Friday.
Sunday is a coming.
That's because I made fun of old people. <laughs> and I forgot my glasses. <clears throat> Plus, it's time to... I'm, I'm too loud, Alan. Uh, test one. Oh, now I'm not here. Uh, <clears throat> test one, two... Yeah, about there, I think. Thank you. Um, so, uh, we're, uh, go to Colossians chapter 1, please. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 1, um, so, guys, huh. I'm on that monitor up there, I'm not seeing what's here, is that, not that it matters to me, is that, it doesn't matter, okay, uh, so the, uh, the word we're going to be looking at, uh, focusing on today is the word, uh, Greek word archagos. Now, archagos is used four times in the New Testament as a title for Christ. And so I'm going to uh, show you here. It's A-R-C-H-E-G-O-S. And uh, that word is used, as I said, four times. And it's close, closely related to... Um, the noun here, well, that's a, that, this is also a noun, but there's also the word which is R-K, and it just ends with an E. So R-K, the bottom word, is the word for uh, what you see often as author, beginning, which you uh, see it as here. If you look at Colossians 1.18, uh, is the R-K is the ruler. So it says he is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. So that's R.K. right there. The firstborn from the dead so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. He is also the, the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. Uh, what, and if you back up to verse 15 now, it says, and this is the start of this section in Colossians 1, which starts a, a poem about Christ. It's one of the the greatest, if not the greatest, Christological poems that are that is in the entire Bible is Colossians 1, 15 through 20. It's something that you you and I should revisit time and time again, reread it, reread it, and, and just absorb it. Uh, and so it says in verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God. That's his deity. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers. That word rulers is the word arche. And well, it's archai because it's plural. So all the rulers, which are all those who rule, right? The kings of the earth now, presidents, kings, prime ministers, all through history, would fall under this title. They're kings, but they're all created kings. There's only one who is uncreated who created all. All the human kings, even the best of them, they don't, they're not perfect, obviously. Uh, most of them are far from perfect. Most of them do a terrible job because power corrupts. And, uh, but not with our Lord. Our Lord is the Archagos. He is the Arche, the one. And as ruler, you know, everybody who, now think of, 
<clears throat> you know, all those who create kingdoms, even like with the United States of America, where we have established the greatest country in the history of the world, both in prosperity and in freedom. But is it perfect? Not by, not by a long shot. And <clears throat> as time has gone on, it's gotten less perfect, but it never was perfect. Right, you can't create a perfect kingdom here on earth. No man can. So who are we going to follow? And that's what this uh, message this morning is about. Who, who blazes the trail that we're going to follow? The greatest hero of the human race. I mean, everybody has idols. Uh, well, <laughs> I shouldn't put it that way. We're not idol worshipers. What I mean by that is that we have people that we look up to, people who have inspired us. Thank God for them. But are they the true? Are they the ones that we should follow truly? Are they the ones that we should try and imitate or emulate? Not no, 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 no. There's one. There's one, and and he's the arche, the beginning. Right now, he's not just the beginning, which is the alpha, first letter of the Greek alphabet. He's also the omega. Right, so he's the end. So the end is where he's going. So where is he going? It's a great question. Who am I following and where am I going? He's the trailblazer from death to life, from sin to glory. When he walked out of that tomb, he walked, out of the ver- he walked through the very rock. The angel didn't roll the stone away so that he could get out. The angel rolled the stone away so that we could look in. And when we looked in, Mary and the disciples... They saw it empty. They saw two angels. The angels said, especially I love the Marys in uh, account in John chapter 20. It's just, this, it's my favorite. I think it's a lot of people's favorite. Where have you laid him? Where have you put him? Where have you put my Lord? Tell me where his body is so I can go get it. Right? And, then, and she's talking to Jesus. She doesn't even know. When he walked out of that tomb through the very rock, He began something in the world that you and I, nobody could have ever imagined. He began something. He's the arche. He's the beginning. And if you're a believer here this morning, you possess that new thing. Does the scripture not tell us that we're all new in Christ? And my uh, my favorite passage for that is in Colossians 3.10 where it says that, I think it's 3.9 and 10, that we're uh, made new in him to be conformed to his image. The one, we're to be conformed to the image of the one who created us. We're to be like him. That's part of this trail that we're following. <clears throat> He's the trailblazer, the archegos, and he bids you to follow him. Where is he going? Right? Where is he going? I don't have him physically here to follow. Where is he going? Where is he taking me? I can, As a believer, I can get very confused about that. We must never be. And if we do get confused, we must correct that confusion. He is the trailblazer from death to life to sin, from sin to glory. We are to follow him. So here's a, Archegos is actually notoriously difficult to translate. We're going to look at the passages where it's used. And, <clears throat> and when we look at the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, and other Uh, Greek texts that are outside of the Bible, because the the word is used uh, quite a bit by philosophers and writers and historians that are outside the Bible, and we have three things that this word points to, or three types of people. First is a pathbreaker or pioneer, 
That's what this word means. It means someone who pioneers something new. An innovator, if you will. He opens the way for others, hence he's a guide and a hero. Secondly, it's the word means a source or founder, and hence often translated in, if you read the New American Standard, as author. Right? An author is writing a story. He's the first, he's the source, he's the founder. And that's Jesus. So, uh, beginning is a great translation for this word in, in the right context. And then there's ruler or leader, and hence captain, prince, or king. Prince ruler is a good translation for this. Now, uh, all of these, these three ideas are not exclusive, right? You could see how they would overlap in a person, someone who uh, begins something and then starts a path for others to follow. There's been a lot of people in this world have begun new things and they've done it for themselves. Generally, that's the case. But Jesus started this new thing. Our Lord Jesus Christ started this new thing for the very purpose that others would follow him. All right? we, we all know that Jesus is God. He's the Son of God. He didn't come here to do what he did to increase his own credentials. Right? How do you get higher than God? He came for us. He came to start something and then lead a path that we follow. And so when you put them all together, all three speak of someone who explores a new territory, opens a trail, and leads others to it. Then he builds something, and we know our Lord has built the city. I go to prepare a place for you, John 14, right? Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 says we're all citizens of heaven. He builds a city or fortress for those to follow and leads them in defense against attackers. Are there attackers against his church, against you? against um, all of us, and against the gospel, against the truth. They are constant. We've been studying that all last week, right? That was Thursday's class was welcome to suffering. You are called to it. Who defends us? He does. That's why we leave all things in his hands. When the peace has been won by our archagos, he remains the ruler of the city that bears his name. He is therefore honored as our founding hero. And so we put all three of these together and see our Lord. There have been a lot of people in history, as I said, who have blazed new trails, but who has done it so that others could follow them? But And also, who has done such a thing that others could follow to salvation, to life? Who could do, who could blaze a trail like he did? Think about it in terms of death, burial, and resurrection. He died in order to pay for our sins, to make us righteous. He paid for our sins on the cross. That is a path breaker, a trail break, a trail blazer. He blazed a trail through a graveyard. Right? The dead shall rise. Who could do that? And we, if you're a believer, you're alive. Not just biologically. As it says in Galatians 3.13, or you're in, did I, where did I, oh, you're, yes, they were you are, sorry. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, curses everyone who hangs on a tree. To be the trailblazer, Christ knew exactly that he would have to suffer. 
terribly. I love. I, I forgot the name of the pastor who did that video that we watched at the front. Uh, he had a, a, a famous church, and I think it was in San Diego. And uh, you know what? It's Friday, right? But yeah, on Friday is what? And, and by the way, if you believe that he died on Thursday or Wednesday, uh, no, no, uh, no problem for me here. Uh, but. <clears throat> Well, regardless of the day, what matters is what did he go through? None of us could possibly imagine it. Your worst suffering doesn't even touch it. He knew he had to. Why do you think he's pouring blood through his pores? He's sweating blood in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying to his father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. Why is that? Because he knew what was coming. But he had to do it because there's no beginning for us if he doesn't. He's got to end something so that he can begin something. And what he ends is death and sin. You know, you and I are freed from sin. We still hold on to it. We're sinners because we're dumb and we hold on to it. But, and no one's ever going to become sinless in this life. However, he has freed us from sin. He has freed us from death. Am I living this way? Am I? Are you? Am I? God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I picked both of these passages because of that preposition, who pair, which is for us. A curse for us. Died for us. Go to Hebrews chapter 10, please. The trailblazer. So by his resurrection, he has pioneered a new way for us. Hebrews 10.19 Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. The holy place he refers to here is the holy of holies, which he has written about in chapter 9. Therefore, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. His flesh was torn so that we could enter this place. But what is this place? We go into the Holy of Holies. In, <coughs> in the Old Testament, the high priest once a year on the Day of Atonement could go into the Holy of Holies, but he had to bring blood with him. He had to sacrifice first for himself, and then he could bring in a sacrifice for the people. But once he's in there, what does he see? Right? It's the ark, the Shekinah glory. But is there any is there any way to go? How much farther can he go? Is there an inner inner chamber? There is not. That's the end of the road. But what about us here? Notice in verse twenty it says, By a new and living way which this which we know from the Greek structure of the sentence refers to the entrance, not to the way. He inaugurated the entrance. The way's always been. It's the way of God. It's the life of God. It's always been. It's been for eternity. But man couldn't enter it. The veil had to be torn. What he inaugurated was the entrance. And you know what? Every believer from the moment of salvation has walked through that veil. It's final. His flesh was torn once and for all. Also in Hebrews chapter 10. 
And now we live in the Holy of Holies, but the Holy of Holies is not the end. It's the beginning, the archet. So where are we going? Is that, you know, for a lot of denominations and religions, getting into heaven is the end, right? I grew up Catholic. I've just talked to my brother this morning who went to, he said, yeah, I went to 7.30 Mass. I like the early Mass because it's not crowded. <laughs> they won't get up early enough to go to church. But there's a 9 o'clock Mass. That, that one's packed. They all, actually, we've got more here than we've had in a long time. It's like Easter. It's like, it's like Catholic Church, except way smaller and underground. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, this, what is it? Uh, is heaven the end goal? No. Right? This was the beauty of the gospel, the good news. There's many beautiful things to it. But the heaven is the beginning. It's the beginning. That's why, you know, when, when you have the idea that heaven's the end, you have, you know, you have, you get that idea that, well, what am I going to do when I get there? Fly around in a cloud, playing my harp over and over and over. What are we going to do? What are we not going to do? It's the beginning. It's the arche, the beginning. It's not the end. So you and I live in the Holy of Holies. He has opened the way. So it says, by a new and living way, he which, entrance, not way, entrance, he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we, have, since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart full of assurance of faith. Draw, so this draw, draw near, what does that mean? Well, he's your pioneer, right? He's your trailblazer. Catch up. Don't lag behind. Draw near through the word, through your decisions, through your faith, basically. Believe what he says. Do what he says. And follow him. And when you mess up, and you will, when you sin, confess it. And get at it again, knowing you're forgiven. Let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. (laughs) That's salvation. You have been cleaned. You have been cleansed by the blood of Christ. So, he is the trailblazer from death to life, from sin to glory. Follow him. If we choose to follow him, he leads us in the way of life while leaving death behind us. He becomes our prince and our king. And so, we get to obey and order pure righteousness. You know, when the when the disciple when Jesus died, the disciples, you know, are called they're called apostles. The Greek word apostle, apostolos, it means sent. It means to send. Sent ones. An apostle is a sent one. Now, with Jesus dead, who's sending them? And what's the message? They haven't a clue. To them, they're not apostles anymore. They don't have a commission. They don't have a commissioner. They don't know who, where are they going, to whom, what are they going to say. He told them, right? And when Jesus spoke to them in his ministry, he spoke of eternal, permanent things. The kingdom of God is in your midst. What, for a few months and then it's gone? I'm sending you into the world. Like, Well, he said that after his resurrection. But, you know, he spoke of, their, he's training them to do something 
and then he's dead and they think it's over. Uh, I, I, I thought this time around in preparing for this, for uh, you know, the message, how much fun it must have been for Christ to show up with the, at these people. Not a lick, not one of them believed that he was going to resurrect. They all gave up on it. They all, uh, depressed, sullen, it's over, confused, bewildered, you name it. And then he pops in. It had to be great. Right? It had to be great for him. <laughs> so uh, now we look at the titles, where Archegos is used. Uh, look at, go to Hebrews 2. Two places in Hebrews and two places in the book of Acts. What can the resurrection of Christ do for my life and my confidence? To live the life with with boldness and conviction. Hebrews two nine. First the suffering. But we do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels. That's a quote from Psalm eight, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for how many? I always throw this in because there's so many people who believe in the limited atonement in our in America. Um, it's a part of the Lordship Salvation Movement. Uh, I, I am a full believer, and I, I'm sure you are too, in the unlimited atonement. So by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and through whom are all things and bringing, bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of of their salvation through sufferings. Author is Archegos. <clears throat> I did that wrong. There it is. Oh, I didn't make sense. Okay, I'm with you. Uh, Archegos is the author of their salvation. We who believe in him are privileged to follow that path. He is the author, the Archegos, the beginning of salvation. He is the pioneer of salvation. He is the king of salvation. He is the author of our salvation. But how? Through suffering. It could not happen for us if he doesn't suffer as he must have, as he had to, to pay the price for, the sin, for all of our sins. He had to taste death for everyone. And notice in verse 10, it was fitting for him to do this. As he's the only one qualified. He's the only one who can do this. There is no other archegos that is qualified. There's no other king. There's no other trailblazer. There's no other leader. So we follow that path of the one true pioneer and pathbreaker. And where is he leading us? To what is he leading us? Right? As believers, we can get confused on this. We think, well, he just wants me to be nice. No, there's a lot more to it than that. He just wants me to stay out of trouble. That's a good thing. Stay out of trouble. For this congregation, you have failed completely. But that's okay. You're forgiven. It's not okay. Sorry. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, what does he want me to do? Where does he want me to go? What does he want me to be? There's an added aspect to this, which is coming up next. He's the author of our, he's the archegos, 
of our faith. You know, we might say, well, well, of course he is. He's the archegos. He's the beginning, the trailblazer of our faith. We wouldn't have faith without him. We put our faith in him. But what we can fail to see there is that as a man during his first advent, he is completely by faith trusting the Father to do as a man. He's not. He laid aside his deity. Is that uh, uh, the uh, Kenosis passage in Philippians two? He set aside his deity as a man. He lives as a human, trusting Father. If there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. But there is no other way. Your will be done. You read in the Gospels that he didn't say anything but what the Father told him to say. He didn't go anywhere but what the Father, where the Father told him to go, and he didn't do anything besides what the Father told him to do. He's the only one to do it perfectly. And so when we say, well, you know, what does he want me to be? What am I following? Well, you know, in essence, we can't see the future. And uh, we're to be like him. And to be like him, what does what do you look like? Because we're all different, right? So what do you look like when you're like him? What does your life look like when you're like him? And that's where he's leading every one of us. By faith. Situations in your life are not the same as mine. Sufferings in your life are not the same quantity or quality as mine, whether less or more. So we can't be like Peter and say, what about John? Because Peter's plan is to be taken by force where he doesn't want to go and die. So he says, what about John? There's um, The Babylon Bee did an awesome video. on. uh, They did this little sketch on the disciples uh, getting together and lying about the resurrection of Christ as if it didn't happen. And it was hilarious. Uh, John, anyway, it has no place here. I don't even know why I brought that up. But if you, if I love the Babylon Bee, they do. It, it's a Christian conservative organization. They play awesome videos. If you check them out, they're only like five minutes long. They did this one where all the disciples are right. All right, Jesus is dead. We're going to make up the fact that he died. That he, uh, sorry, that he's resurrected. We're going to make it up. And then all the disciples are like, well, what's going to happen to us? And he's like, oh, we're all going to be persecuted and die for it. And one of the, it's John, the disciple playing John. The guy, he's like, why would we do that? (laughs) Right? By them standing their ground that, yes, Jesus is alive. He's resurrected. It's right at Pentecost. That's where they first stated it. They're putting their lives on the line. And they die. John ends up in Patmos. He ends up in like an insane asylum out on an island. But um, where are you going to end up? Where am I going to end up? If, if you and I don't follow the resurrected Christ, we're going to say to the Father, I'm not really concerned about where you want me and what you want me to be. Can we work on what I want me to be? And God is going to say, absolutely not. That is the stupidest plan I've ever heard. Thank you, but no thank you. My plan for you has not entered your mind, has not entered your eyes or your ears. 
It is exceeding abundantly beyond anything you could have ever asked or thought. So, no, I am not settling for your version of this. I'm making the path. Follow it. And it takes faith, man. And, and, and it interrupts our plans. Right? I know someone right now has interrupted plans. It, things happen. You say, well, I, that's not how I thought things would go. No kidding. No kidding. So, what does this require? I'm going to follow this path that a res- my resurrected Lord who walked through a, a rock wall out of a tomb and went where? To heaven. And I'm following him no matter what. And you've got to go all in for this, obviously. But when you do, and you overcome your fear, pray a lot. Read, study God's word a lot. And when you make that leap in your conscience, you say, I'm following him no matter what. It's a scare. It's the scariest thing. You're really giving your life up. And then it's kind of like, um, you know, when a plane breaks the sound barrier. Before, uh, before airplanes broke the sound barrier, it was unknown what would happen. You know, once you break the sound barrier, is it smooth sailing or does your, your, your plane just fall apart? Right, so it's Chuck Yeager, the first to do it, right? And so and he tried. As you get closer and closer, the plane shakes like mad. Right, with his plane, I guess. You know, I read a little bit about this. And it was a while ago, so if I get this wrong and you know the story, my apologies. <clears throat> but uh, as, he, as he got closer and closer, the plane, it just, what was on the other side? As soon as he broke the barrier, everything gets quiet. Because these sound waves that are building up on the nose of the plane no longer build up. They keep going behind you. Right? And so, and, you know, God has created our physical world to show us little things like this, wonderful analogies for the fact that commit everything. And when we say smooth sailing, do we mean no suffering? No. Buckle up, Jaeger. Buckle up. It's going to get a bit worse. Maybe a lot worse. But that, that, that burden of work will no longer be a burden. Jesus didn't say no yoke. He said my yoke. And my yoke is easy and light. So, but that we've got a breakthrough. Every one of us. Thank God for the patience of God. I can be up here preaching this stuff. You have no idea if I've committed or not. And that's the way it should be. (laughs) Go to Hebrews chapter 12. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. So we say, author of our salvation, which I should have had a slide for that. Oh, there it is. It's a little guy on the bottom. And then now we have author of our faith. Same word, archagos. Hebrews 12.1, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race set before us. It sounds like breaking the sound barrier, doesn't it? Let us lay it aside, every encumbrance, every 
sin that easily entangles us. Lay it aside. Leave it aside. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the archagos and perfecter of faith, the ruler, the beginner, the trailblazer and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And not growing weary or losing heart doesn't mean easy. It means faith. I can, I can do this. You can do this. God doesn't give us more than we're able to bear. You can do this. But I've got to be convinced of that. So I, I look to my author here. He's the perfecter of faith. This word perfecter means completer. He's finished it. So he started this faith for us. He lived this faith. He's the first person ever on earth to trust the Father in the way that he did. But that very trust, follow, don't do what I'm not, what, unless Father tells me, don't say unless Father tells me. He's not, you know, he's, we, we're not under the law. We're under this relationship as son and daughter to Father, just like he was. And he trusted and followed. And he's the first to do it, filled with the Spirit, indwelt by the Spirit, all the things that you and I possess. Because he gave it to us. And that is walking out of the tomb. Death is behind me. And there's going to be all kinds of people in your life who are going to say that you're, they're going to try and convince you that you're still dead. That you're like them. But you're not like them anymore. You may behave like it at times, but you're not. And so, and what is the Lord telling us here? He's saying, look, I am the trailblazer from death to life. I walk out of the grave and I'm never going back. I have brought you with me. Follow me. Right? He said, pick up your cross and follow me. Follow me. Cross means death. Pick up your cross means acknowledge the fact that your old life, sin, and all of it is dead. Now, move. Follow me. So he lived a life of faith as a human being. Quite astounding for the Son of God to subject himself to that, to be tempted in everything, and yet without sin. Now, part of that path is suffering. Follow me, he said. But when he blazed his path, he didn't come to the Sanhedrin and go, "Uh uh-uh, I'm going around. He didn't come to Pilate in the Roman government and say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm going around. You know how much five, uh, what did he say? Twelve legions of angels. Each legion is 5,000. That's like 100,000. That's a joke. None of you got the joke because you can't do math either. <laughs> They're all like, yeah, sure, 100,000 pass or whatever. 12 times 5, 70,000. Oh, 12 times 5 is 70-something thousand. 60,000. <laughs> the notes say 70,000, so the notes, are, the notes are right. So I did the math wrong like two days ago, and I'm still doing it wrong. 
wow, I took calculus in college, you know. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Uh, <clears throat> so Peter, well, he could call 70,000 if he wanted. <laughs> He's like, God, give me 12 legions and an extra 10. Just to get it done right, right? He says to Peter, I can, I can stop this. The angels will do whatever the Lord tells them to do. They're not going to come down, if he called them, they're not going to come down here and say, well, what about salvation for the people? What are you doing? This is not a part of the plan. He's going to say, shut up and kill them. Get them, get, get them done. But no, I'm not. Because the trail he blazed went right through the Sanhedrin, right through Pilate. And what are we all trying to do when the suffering comes? And we're not talking about suffering for our sins, but the stuff that we were talking about, what we were talking about pretty much all last week because we're studying Thessalonians, where it is revealed that we have to, in many other passages, that we have to suffer for his sake. And he said, blessed are you when you suffer for my sake in the Beatitudes. What are we to do? What do we want to do? Find a way around. How do I assuage this pain? How do I make it easier on myself? And that's not the plan. We have freedom to do it, though, don't we? We can self-anesthetize. We could use drug, alcohol, sex, whatever we want to. God's not going to stop us. We can do it. We can do other things. We can be bitter. We can complain. We can uh, uh, lash out at people. We can do everything outside the will of God, and God is not going to stop us from doing it. He's going to let us taste the fruits of that. Those are bitter fruits. I have many. And then he's going to say, that doesn't work, right? So, why not follow, you know, it's like prodigal son. He's come back. Are you dead yet? You say, well, I'm close. I know. God will say, I know. But you still have time to follow me, the right path. It's narrow, isn't it? Narrow is the path that leads to life. What does it take? Faith. He's the author, the perfecter of our faith. We have to believe the path. We have to know the path. We have to study the Word of God. Study and read, study and read. Digest, pray about it. Study and read, study and read. We have to know this. (coughs) And not someone's opinion of it. This. Know this. All right. So, suffering would come. He warned the disciples of this. Now, this is a sort of long passage. We're going to blaze through it, keeping my theme of blaze runner here. Go to Matthew chapter 10, and then we'll we'll close up here. uh, Because he's going to warn the disciples about this. Because part of this suffering of this life, part of following the resurrected Lord, is that there's suffering involved. You're going to have to sacrifice things. We were just talking a bit of, a bit ago about you're going to be in, your plans are going to be interrupted. I don't want to do that. Follow him, it, and if we don't follow him, what the results are our own? You know, as he said, 
if you pray and give for the reason that you want people to notice you, they will, and you have your reward in full. But if you do things my way, you're going to see things that you could have never imagined. So if you see an easier path and you take it, just know you have given up the right to see what the Lord wanted to show you. You have given that up. And you ain't getting it back. You'll get another opportunity, don't get me wrong. But for that opportunity, you gave that up. As the Bible calls it, dissipation. You just threw it away. We've all done it. You know, we all think with the brain that we have now, we'd love to go back and relive our 20s and 30s, maybe even our teens. All right, so young people in the front, bear, bear in mind, you're going to be old. Do it right now. I pray, do it right now. Do it right, comma, now. Uh, <clears throat> Matthew 10:16. Our lives depend upon this, so I'm going to read it all the way through. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. But beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues, and you will even be brought before governors and kings for my namesake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say, for it will be given to you in that hour what you are to say. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Brother will betray brother, Jew against Jew, Gentile against Gentile. They will betray each other to death as a father his child, and a father his child. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. That's not eternal salvation. That's deliverance into life, into what life is. But whenever they persecute you in the city, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you are not going to finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. For it is Enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher and the slave like his master. If they called the head of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign the members of his household? Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Everything is going to be judged. For what I, <clears throat> what I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. And what, I, what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. Meaning what Jesus taught them in private. They are to go out now into the world and proclaim it from the rooftops. And how is the world going to respond to that? Just like this. Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not, yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. For the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not Fear, you are more valuable than many sparrows. I will take care of you. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I'm too afraid. Or I, I, I want my own life. Whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. 
And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it. See, that loss, it's not martyrdom. It's loss of my personal ideas and goals unto him. Look, if God's plans match up with your own personal ones, well, great. It's rare. I thought, well, I'm going to lose my life into his hand. So he says, and finally, he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. So, uh, go to Acts chapter 3. So when the apostles saw the risen Christ, now do you think that Matthew 10, and it continues, right? Do you think they all remembered that passage? I mean, heck, you and I, we just read through a great deal of it. Uh, and, uh, you know, will, will we even remember this by tomorrow? Maybe by Wednesday it's gone? I don't know. That's why we have to keep coming back to the Scripture and keep being reminded. But the Lord said, look, if you follow me, you are going to be persecuted for it. But no, like sparrow, I take care of sparrows, I take care of you. Don't fear them. Keep following me. Therefore, God has set it up this way. He's in complete control. It's not like God is out of control and the people who persecute us and hurt us are not you know, something that is a surprise to him. He doesn't cause sin, but he has orchestrated everything. He's sovereign. So the people in your life or circumstances in your life uh, that are hindering are there on purpose. And so, you know, where am I going to get the courage and the wherewithal to say, you know what, despite this thing that hinders me, I am going to follow him no matter what. I'm going to think like him. I'm going to speak like him. I'm going to... You know, I'm going to act like him. They saw him resurrected. It, it, it's true. Oh, hold on. When the apostles saw the risen Christ, they found the courage to follow him anywhere. At Pentecost, they get the Holy Spirit. That's a big, that's a huge blessing. <laughs> huge isn't even the word, right? They, they get filled with the Spirit, therefore they're able to discern and understand the Word of God, but that's not the only thing that gives them the confidence that we see here in the book of Acts, which is, my Lord's alive. What is mere, what is, like David writes in Psalm 51, what is mere man going to do to me? Mere man. <clears throat> the apostles saw the resurrected Christ and they found the courage to follow him anywhere. Right, it's who's everybody's favorite apostle is generally Peter. What happened to Peter from denying the Lord to at Pentecost being this profoundly confident man? And they threaten them; they throw them in jail. Peter ends up in jail twice. And he gets let out. The second time he gets let out, he's asleep. You know, it seems that every every big event in Peter's life is he's he's taken a nap. I think that's why many of us admire Peter. <laughs> As, you know, none of us are like the, you know, what about John indeed? You know, the disciple who Jesus loved. Yeah, go, go John, right? 
first to the grave. He's always first. They run to the grave. John's faster than Peter. It's funny. Every When I study these passages for resurrection, I go over all those again, and I read different commentators. And, and lately, I, I came across a couple of commentators who just said, well, John is younger than Peter. Of course he beat him to the grave. I, okay, see Peter with his plantar fasciitis kind of limping into the grave. <laughs> oh, I want to see him so bad, but whew, John, go. Go ahead, I need to take a break. Where do they get the courage? Where do they get... Right? Our bodies are going to fall apart. They are falling apart. <laughs> Somebody in the front says, yeah. <clears throat> We're going to get the courage to go on. The Lord's resurrected. There's many things. I mean, But this is what today is about. Our Lord is alive. Seated at the right hand of God. It is vital that we see him resurrected. And I, I can't emphasize the word see enough. I mean, you know it. We all believe it. Absolutely. And it would be neat if we could see him. But you're not going to see him until you die or raptured. Um, but we must see him now like they did. And gain the courage. So, uh, just um, for the sake of time here, there's two passages in Acts where Archegos is used. And first, first in Acts 3, I'll just read the passage for you. Peter and, Peter and John had healed a man in front of the temple. He had been a crippled for 30 years. They healed him. They go into the temple. Of course, they get... Uh, attacked by the leadership. And Peter says, it's in, look at verse 14, Acts 3.14. He says, but you disowned. He's saying this to the leaders now. This Pentecost happened a few days before. You, but you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, Barabbas, but put to death the prince of life. So here it's translated prince. That's archegos. And tesoes is of life. Zoe, life, of life. He is the archegos of life. So it's not only prince, it's trailblazer, pioneer, king, city builder. Right? That archegos has all of this meaning in it that prince doesn't quite do it. It's part of it, absolutely. Author, beginner, trailblazer of life. That's the life that the apostles found after his resurrection. And Peter, is he was hiding out before, just a couple of weeks ago. And now he's in the midst of the Sanhedrin saying, you, and notice what he says, you disowned him and you murdered him for, and you chose Barabbas over your Messiah. He, I would imagine he's saying it pretty boldly. Courage, right? All right, so we continue on here. Go to Acts 5. So at the opening of the book of Acts, people end up in prison. The, the whole congregation, meaning right, there's 3,000 are saved at, at Pentecost. 
the number goes up to like 5,000 and onward after the first few months. There's thousands of people who are actually born again and saved that have this new life, most of them Jews. And <clears throat> their brethren, Jesus said it in Matthew 10, from the members of your own household are going to persecute and want to kill you. And the Jews that didn't believe in Christ as Messiah wanted to kill their brethren who had accepted Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. They called us Nazarenes. Jesus of Nazareth as their Messiah. They wanted to kill them. And, and so the people, the early church, they have to support one another. That's why they shared everything. Uh, and they gathered together in secret. And yet, they have this, if you read about it, um, in Acts 3, 4, and 5, you just see this marvelous, bold, confident, happy life. Sharing everything in common. Praying together. There's a marvelous prayer in Acts 4. that They all pray together. Quoting Old Testament prophets. It's beautiful. They pray it together. That they're like alive. Right there in the early church, there's a heaven on earth created by the risen Lord. And so in Acts 5, <clears throat> now this is a thrown in prison. They get let out. And by the way, when the angel lets them out of prison, he says, go back to the temple and keep preaching. And they're like, you know, you would think they would say, well, I just got arrested over there. I'm not going to go back to the scene of the crime. They're just going to arrest me again. And, and it, they go with boldness. They're like, right on. Back to the temple and preach. And they get hauled in before, before the Sanhedrin again. Look at verse 30, Acts 5.30. Actually, 29. Let's look at Acts 5.29. But Peter and the apostles answered them, we must, they told them not to preach Jesus anymore. They're like, yeah, right. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you put to death by hanging him on a cross. Notice he is raised up. He is the one whom God exalted at his right hand as prince. Here it's again translated prince. This is archagos and savior. So that one is here, Archegos and Savior. And <clears throat> here it points to the fact that like this word Savior is also used often of the judges in uh, the book of Judges. And if you know anything about the book of Judges, it's the, uh, you know, the people of Israel, they, they do great evil and then they cry out to the Lord when the pain gets bad enough and the Lord sends a judge to deliver them. And that judge is a savior to them. And this points out to us that our archagos is one who plays the role of meeting our needs in an emergency situation even when we're wrong. We're the wrong party. We're the sinner, have committed the sin and done the wrong thing. He doesn't, your archagos does not abandon you. He'll allow the discipline. Yes, he will even bring on more if you need it. Yes, but... The Archegos is always going to come to your aid to deliver you. He's going to uh, press upon you to recover, get your faith back if you're wrong, or to do the things that need to be done to get back on the narrow path and follow him. Never abandon us, never leave us. The Archegos. Praise the Lord forever for the gift of our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us and raised for us. I pray for all of you 
and all listening that you are joyful and that you find joy in walking this trail that Jesus Christ has blazed for us. Follow him. I pray the same for myself. He is our king, our pioneer, the beginning and the end. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word and thank you so much for the guidance of the truth that speaks of our Lord Jesus and what he is in resurrection, in death, in burial, in resurrection. And thank you, Father, for all that you have done for us through him. May we celebrate this day as those who are alive in him. We ask in Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> thank you, everybody. Uh, thank you for bearing with me, with, with, with him. It's not just me. <laughs> Uh, so uh, we'll take our offer and, and then we'll close up. Let's pray for our offering. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to give. As your believer priests, we give. And we know, Father, that you have given us far more than we could give through our Lord and Savior. We ask, Father, that you bless this offering. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Thank you, Father, for our gathering. Thank you for the celebration of this day. And anyone listening who has not come to believe in Christ as their Savior, this time is offered to you to consider him. If you're listening to my voice, please consider, as I'm sure that you have, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> he is not what is lied about him in the world, but he is the Son of God who has taken upon himself the sins of the world. He has died in place of you and me for every man. By his death, by faith in him, his death will credit you against your sin, meaning that your sin will be forgiven. If your sin is forgiven by the Father, you will have eternal life. And Jesus is the only one by whom sin is forgiven. Therefore, believe upon him and you will be saved. We thank you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.